I was talking to Cody, uh, my wife, this week about uh, today's message, and I knew Roger was going to be singing that song, and we were talking about what it means to be a friend, and well, it kind of started like not going well for me, because we kind of came up with three things that in order to be my friend, in order to be friends with me, um, you're going to have to do one of these three things uh, every day, if not multiple times throughout the week. The first thing you're going to have to do if you're going to be my friend is you're going to have to be willing to pick me up on the side of the road when I run out of gas. Okay? It's not an if, it's a when. And for, um, yeah, I've had one friend who had to do it twice in the same day, but we'll talk about that on another day. But that's a good friend. Um, if you are going to be my friend, you need to understand, um, please don't take it personally. I will call you by the wrong name. I don't know what it is. I know your name, but it, it just, it's, it's something genetic. It just happens. It just, it just happens. So it, it's, it's part of it. Um, and the third thing is, um, if you are my friend, um, you are going to have to help me find my car keys and my wallet a couple times a day. I don't know how many times I've yelled out, has anyone seen my keys? Hey, do you have my keys? It's just part of it. But there's also parts of uh, being a friend of mine that um, I do hold uh, in high esteem and high value, and we're going to learn about it today. It's in the, the book of Colossians. Uh, the first week during our free-for-all series, I had the privilege to teach July 1st. Um, we dove into Galatians, um, one of the letters that Paul wrote and it's recorded in the New Testament. We've learned that uh, God eats potato chips, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And so we started out um, in Galatians with God, and now we're going to end in Colossians with chips, with potato chips. Um, but if you have your Bibles, you can flip open to the New Testament. Uh, boys and girls, if any of our kids are in here, you should be in Kids Church right now at LHC. Kids. Um, but if you're in here today, Colossians starts with a C. All right, so you can find it in the table of contents. It's in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. We're going to flip to Colossians chapter 3. Now, if you're a Bible scholar and you hear the words Colossians chapter 3, I'm not talking about that part of Colossians, okay? Again, I am the holiday pastor, so I will save the husbands and the wives and submitting and that part of Colossians 3 <laughs> for Pastor Mac at some other point in life. But we're going to talk about the first part of Colossians. And I love it because there's so many things in Scripture that we can, uh, we can analyze, we can talk through, we can uh, have Bible studies on. And then there's, uh, there's parts, and it opened up to interpretation, but then there's parts of Scripture, and this is one of them, that um, we just need to take it at face value. We just need to take it at what God is saying, at what Paul wrote to his church. Um, it's that simple, and it's the way we need to live our lives. So I'm going to read um, a, a, a good little chunk of Colossians, and then we're going to put a little bit on the screen that we're going to dive into more. Uh, Colossians 3 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful nature, the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. 
Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because there's one key word in that that I want you to really pay attention to. Um, you, the part that says, for you stripped off your old sinful nature. Okay, just you stripped it off, got rid of it, threw it away, took it off. Uh, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So the Bible's saying, put on your new nature. Okay, you've stripped off, you've taken off the old, you've gotten rid of that. Okay, now I want you to put on the new nature. I want you to put on the new you. And that is more like Christ, your creator, and become like him. In this new life, it does not matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. This is the other part we're going to dive into today. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. Okay, so we talked about stripping off, taking off the old, the dirty, the, the, the worn out, the tired, the ragged, the beat down. Okay, we've taken that off. And now we're putting on the new, putting on Christ, putting on our creator. It says, say again, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. Uh, some translations use the word compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive everyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Uh, this morning, I want us to, to dive into what those new clothes look like. I want us to dive into what Jesus' fashion show looks like in our life. The clothes is what people see. The stuff you wear on the outside, that's what people see when they interact with you. I look around, I see all these red shirts here. Hi, Lock Millers. Red's my favorite color. Um, it makes me very happy to see all the red. Um, but that's what people see you as. That's how people know you. That's how people identify you. And God gave us some very specific things to be clothed in. To look like Jesus, we need to be these people. We need to act like this. And as we're reading that scripture, probably some names came to mind. Um, I think of uh, Miss Nancy and Mr. Kerm Larson that served back in the nursery hallway who've been doing it for 20 years, 17, 18, 20 years, um, to me, they look like they're wearing the clothes of Christ. Um, I think of people like uh, Brett Hewitt. I don't know if Brett's in here or not. Brett serves in our elementary and LHC kids. He's going to Jolt Camp with us next week, took a week off work um, to go hang out with third, fourth, and fifth graders. I think about Brett. Um, I think about the patience that he demonstrates. Um, I look around and I think of uh, Aaron Adams. I saw Aaron this morning. Um, Aaron Adams is one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. 
Um, just a nice, great, kind guy. And uh, I don't know if he's in here. He's right there. Hi, Aaron. Uh, but I see in them and I see on them Jesus. Cody and I have, um, as you, we moved about, oh gosh, a year and a couple of months ago, um, we grew up in the Atlanta area. And one of the churches we served at in North, uh, North Atlanta area, uh, Mountain Lake Church, prior to coming here, we moved there with a three-year-old little girl, a four-year-old little girl, and a four-year-old little boy who did not speak English. Journey had just come home from Ethiopia, our son. I mean, didn't speak any English. I mean, not, not a lick. I mean, nothing. Uh, he could say cat and hot dog, I think he could maybe say. Um, and we show up at this church, and uh, the older two went into their, their Sunday school class to their kids' small group class, and we met this couple named Rick and Stephanie Bennett. Um, Rick and Stephanie Bennett, I, gosh, I, you don't even know them? I, th- th- I'm getting emotional talking about them. Um, I, here's the thing. You will probably never meet Rick and Stephanie Bennett. Rick and Stephanie Bennett will, um, will never be known in the headlines of any newspaper. Rick and Stephanie Bennett will uh, continue to live the life that they've always lived and will continue to keep living it. Rick and Stephanie will never probably seek, I know they, they probably have no idea I'm talking about them right now, would never seek to have any sense of identity or anybody know who they are. But Rick and Stephanie Bennett radically altered and changed Cody and I's life because they were Colossians 3 to us. It was one of the first times in our life as a couple we saw what Jesus looked like. We saw who Christ was. And Rick and Stephanie Bennett, (laughs) Rick and Stephanie Bennett were the kindest and they continue to be the kindest They're the most patient. They're the most gentle. They're the most loving. They're the most compassionate people you will ever meet. They were our kids' Sunday school teachers for six years. So basically, they're responsible for Journey's English. I tell them that all the time. (laughs) They are responsible for um, being there when all three of our kids were baptized. Um, They were there on Easter lunch. Um, as a pastor, Easter is a very long weekend. Wow, I'm getting emotional over this. <laughs> um, they were there Easter weekend to say, hey, come back to our house and uh, have lunch with us. Hey, bring the kids over. We'll take care of them today. Um, but they cared more about being Jesus to us than anyone else that I think we've ever met. And today, I don't know who your Rick and Stephanie Bennett is in your life. And I don't know if maybe God has put you in somebody else's life to be their Rick and Stephanie. But I want to break down for you just a few things this morning that we learned from Colossians 3 on how we can look like Christ, how we can be a Rick and Stephanie Bennett, how we can be the friend that Roger was singing about. Um, The first thing is in Colossians 3, um, we learned that God tells us that we need to be clothed. We need to be full of mercy or compassion. Um, Being compassionate literally means to suffer alongside with. Literally, it means to, to, 
to understand and not just say the suffering, not just saying I understand, but to actually be there and suffer along with them. Uh, Psalm 82, verse 3 and 4 says, Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy and deliver them from the hand of the wicked. See, Jesus modeled compassion for us in so many different ways. He modeled what mercy looked like. And it wasn't just, hey, you know, here's a, here's a fish. <laughs> here's some bread. You know, hey, here you go. I'm going to drop this off today. No, he jumped in there with people. Jesus demonstrated compassion by suffering the ultimate suffering, the ultimate death. But he also got in there with people. He jumped down into where their pain was. He jumped down to where they were hurting. It talks about how he got down in the, into the dirt with people. He took on their compassion for them. And that's, and that's Christ followers. People can see Jesus in us when we learn how to have compassion for others. When we get down in the dirt. When we get down and put our arms around someone who's just suffering. And say, hey, I'm in this with you. Maybe it's with a family member or, or, or maybe somebody you meet through mobile loaves and fishes. Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that comes to our church, that, that, that walks through the doors here at Lake Hills, that just needs a shoulder to cry on and somebody to say, hey, I'm here with you. That's what Jesus looks like to other people. And that's what Jesus wants us to be. The second thing, um, and, and this is probably where I'm, I, I'm at most in my life right now, um, is Kindness. Um, just be kind. Just be kind. The world has enough of all the other stuff. Just be kind. Um, I saw this quote this week. Uh, there's three ways to achieve ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. The third way is to be kind. Anybody know who said that? Mr. Rogers. Whenever you say the name Mr. Rogers, it just kind of brings back a little bit of a nostalgia, doesn't it? Everybody kind of like sighed and smiled and laughed because Mr. Rogers demonstrated what kindness looks like. Mr. Rogers said, hey, hey, come on, be a part of my neighborhood. Hey, guess what? I'm going to confront, I'm going to deal with, I'm going I'm to approach and discuss some things that aren't easy to do. But I'm going to do it kindly. I'm going to do it with compassion. I, I love, I know there's the movie that's out right now about Mr. Rogers' life. I could spend all day just learning about Mr. Rogers. And not cause, just because he invested in the lives of kids, but there's just something about him. That draws you in. And I really believe it's the kindness that he demonstrated to anyone and everyone. Mr. Rogers wasn't weak. You wouldn't think of Mr. Rogers as a weak guy, would you? We would think of Mr. Rogers as successful. Somebody who, who, who did well in life. Who changed other people's lives by just being him. But he was always kind. Have you heard the phrase, um, if someone just really just makes you mad, just kill them with kindness? I mean, the, the, the polar oppositenesses of those words, though, 
Just kill them with kindness. But the reality is, is what's going to actually take them down is the kindness. The kindness is what, even in the worst of secular terms that we use, to describe how to make an impact in someone's life. Even if they've made you mad and you want to prove a point, you know, kill them with kindness. Just go kill them with kindness. Well, yeah, that's right, because kindness works. Being kind changes people's lives. Uh, Stephanie Bennett, who I was telling you about earlier, uh, Stephanie was in a car accident years before we met her. And Stephanie, is, uh, Stephanie now uses a cane. Uh, Stephanie uh, struggles to walk sometimes. We, if we were here, Stephanie wouldn't be able to come up on the stage just because coming up on stairs is hard for her with her, with her cane. Um, and, and Stephanie had a lot, a lot of reasons to not be kind in life. She did. Uh, Stephanie had everything going. She was um, hit by a, a, a driver, ran through a four-way stop, an intersection. Their brakes um, went out on them and just hit the side of their car. Spent months in the hospital and ICU and recovery. Um, and, and for the rest of her life, um, she will have that cane. And for the rest of her life, um, she, she has made the choice, and she'll tell you if she were here, she has made the choice to choose kindness over anger. She's made the choice to choose kindness over frustration. She has made the choice to choose kindness over resentment. Because she knows that kindness is what is going to help her succeed and help her thrive and help her get through in life. And so I don't know where you're at today, but this week, let's practice being kind. Let's remember Colossians chapter 3. Let's put on kindness when we're at work, when we're with our family, when you're with your kids, when you're at school. Gosh, that's like two weeks from now, right, guys? When you're at school, you're going to meet new people. You have the opportunity to demonstrate and put on kindness. Um, another thing we learned in here is to be humble and gentle. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. It's kind of hard. Humble and gentle. Again, gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is the reaction you choose in the situation. You choose to be gentle. And that's not being weak. I don't want you to misinterpret this for what it's saying. Uh, don't be weak, but be gentle. Um, I was reading a devotion this week uh, in des on Desiring God. Um, it says, our culture does not value humility. In fact, humility is often seen as a weakness. To get ahead in business or in life, people are encouraged to promote themselves and perhaps even pretend they are something they are not. The view from Scripture is in opposition to the world's view. Pride and humility and the consequences of each are recurring themes in the book of Proverbs as well as a lot of the Bible. Pride is associated with arrogance, pretension, destruction, and humiliation, while humility is associated with wisdom, honor, and rewards. When we have pride because of our accomplishments or our jobs or our wealth, we have forgotten that it is the Lord who gives us our ability, our opportunities, our wealth, and our health. Without him, nothing would be possible. Pride causes us to take credit that belongs to God. 
So it's kind of tough when you see, you know, don't be, be you know, be humble, be gentle. Well, what does that look like? What, what does that clothing look like? Man, everything we do and say needs to point to give credit to who God is, to what God's done in your life, to who God created you to be. That's when people see humility. We, we also, and I know we talked about killing them with kindness when we talk about kindness, um, but we talk about people, uh, a lot of times we, we throw on this, the, this uh, oh, well, that's just false humility. <laughs> it's like one of the most <laughs> not humble things to say. <laughs> oh, that's just false humility. Hmm. They're not being humble. Hmm, look at them over there. Look at me over here. See, that's the problem is, is humility is, is so, it, it, people don't recognize it. People don't recognize what humility looks like. And as Christ followers, we have the perfect opportunity to practice and to put on humility by living the way Jesus lived and putting Colossians into practice by making sure that we give God credit. We glorify God, that people know that it's God who's done in our lives what he's done, that God has given us what we have. Because then we start looking more and more like Jesus and people start recognizing what humility looks like because of the way we are acting, by the way we're living our lives, giving honor to God. Not being weak, not being, not being fake, but being genuinely grateful for everything that God has done in our lives. Not talking about ourselves, not bragging about ourselves. Hey, you know what? If you have a lot in life, other people are going to notice it and see it. You don't need to let them know. <laughs> All right? And it's just you read through Scripture um, that, that people will see it and people will know it. You just don't need to let them know. Let them discover it on their own. Be humble about it. Give glory to God. Point people to Jesus. Live that way. And then another thing, the fourth thing we come across is be patient. Be patient. Moms and dads, be patient. Be patient. I kind of want to make up my own quote. The way to get ahead in life and parenting is one, be patient. Two, be patient. Three, be patient. Um, patience, patience can be tough, but I think about Jesus and I think about his disciples. I think about the, the 12 people that surrounded him. Uh, one of them ultimately betrayed him. And Jesus, um, yes, he confronted situations with them. Yes, um, I'm sure he got in their face sometimes. But he seemed like he was extremely patient with them. He seemed like the, the sense of, of teaching them how to be like himself, the sense of teaching them how to continue spreading uh, the good news of the gospel after he's gone from earth was all wrapped up in his patience. I can imagine the disciples running up to Jesus going, we don't have enough food, Jesus. We don't have enough food, Jesus. Oh my gosh, we don't have enough food, Jesus. What are we going to do? How are we going to feed all these people? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And Jesus is like, hey guys, I've done it before. <laughs> you know, I fed a bunch of people that other time. Don't worry. I got it. And he's patient with them. Or, or how many times um, when Jesus said, uh, d d you know, not to stop, don't hinder the, the, the little kids from coming to him. You know, don't, don't stop these, these people from coming to me. I wonder how many times Jesus had already taught them that lesson. 
I wonder how many times Jesus had already demonstrated it. I mean, some of these people we know, these disciples were educated, um, whatever that means back in biblical times. Um, we know that uh, there was a tax collector and a physician. I don't, know, I don't know that I would want to go see a physician um, back in that time period. Um, but we know that some of them were educated. Uh, we know that some of them were not educated. But Jesus was patient with his disciples. He confronted them when they were wrong. I mean, when they fell asleep in the garden, you know, he's like, get up. What are you doing? But you never see in scripture where Jesus was unkind or unpatient. He demonstrated that characteristic of himself by the way he treated other people. Parents, if you're struggling with your children to learn how to be patient, what are they seeing in you? Are they seeing patience demonstrated? Similar to how the disciples learned what patience looked like was through Jesus. Are they seeing patience in you? My kids, uh, one of them's in here. My kids have the tendency, man, to wear my patience thin. I mean, wear me out. And I've noticed that when I start not practicing patience with my children, that I start becoming unkind and I start <laughs> not being gentle. <laughs> I stop, you know, being compassionate and understanding where they're at, all because I'm losing patience. And so when I practice patience, when I put on patience, when I clothe myself in patience, I'm able to be kind. I'm able to be gentle. I'm able to be more compassionate and show mercy because I am there for them and I'm practicing patience. Um, Rick and Stephanie Bennett that I talked about earlier, um, Mr. Rick, or Mr. Ricky, the kids call him, uh, Mr. Rick is uh, the... He is the gentlest person I know. Um, he is, uh, they, they live on a ton of land. He drives tractors and they farm and they have a bunch of uh, cows and goats and chickens. Uh, they, they have farm animals. Um, he's, a, he's a guy's guy. He loves NASCAR. Uh, but he is also gentle. And he's also patient. And what I love about Rick and what I love about what he taught me in my life is that the way that I treat other people, if I'm going to live Colossians 1-3, the way I treat other people should be exactly the same way that I treat people who live in my house. Rick treats Stephanie and his two daughters. They're, they're in their 20s. But he treats them exactly like he would treat everyone else. And it's so easy to put on and, and read through this uh, Colossian scripture of putting on the clothes, putting on what Jesus looks like for everybody else in the world, at work, at school, at church. But are you putting on that clothing at home? Are you putting on Christ with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents? Are you practicing 
what Jesus looks like at home. Because it's easy everywhere else, isn't it? It's easy to be kind to somebody at the grocery store. It's easy to be patient with someone at the gas station. But it is not easy to always be patient at home when you're trying to watch your TV show and you hear, yes, yes, um, can, I, can, I, can I talk to you about something important? Okay, let me hit pause. So tonight during dinner, um, I, I don't think I ate enough. Can I have some popcorn? Yeah, that's fine. Go get some popcorn. Uh, I'm, Daddy's finishing up his TV show. It'll be five more minutes, okay? Okay, you can go get the popcorn. That's fine. Yes. Um, so when I also didn't eat a lot at dinner... Um, my, Riley, my sister, she also didn't eat a lot at dinner, um, and she wants a, a fruit strip. Okay, that's fine. I got four minutes left on my TV show. Can I just finish the TV show, please? Uh, yes, go eat. That's fine. What? You're hungry. I know. What do you need? Well, actually, I wanted to know, Dad, if it was okay if I help you out. And is it okay if I go uh, clean out your car and organize the garage for you? Because I know how stressful life's been. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, I do have one like that. Okay, go. Yeah. Go, Journey, clean out the car. Empty out the garage. Organize it for me. That's great. <laughs> but what happens is I lost my patience. I was frustrated at home because I was more worried about myself. And I knew what that third knock was. I knew it was just somebody else wanting some food. They passed the pantry on the way to my bedroom. There's grapes on the counter. There's healthy food there. They had to come interrupt me and bother me while I'm watching my TV show, and it makes me mad. But it's always that third time that gets us. It's that third time when I lost my patience, and I just flew off and was unkind and not gentle that it was somebody actually wanting to do something nice for me and somebody wanting to help and benefit and, and, and do something for me. And I, I feel like so many times in life, um, we don't even get to the third time with our families because we lose our patience, we lose kindness, and we just we, we let it all go. And, and eventually he's going to stop knocking. Eventually, if I lose my patience enough, if I'm unkind enough, if I'm not gentle, eventually the door isn't going to stop knocking that th for that third time. I'm going to miss out on an opportunity to invest in my child and to demonstrate what patience and love and compassion look like. You know, Mr. Rogers, um, his, his documentary movie's out right now, and it's so cool that he lived his life uh, just... just like we talked about being kind and loving a child. And now, some 10, 15 years after he died, they decided to make a movie about his life, about the way he treated people. Like, it's in the movie theaters. And most of the movies we go to see, it's about, or we see a documentary, it's about, uh, you know, somebody who went on some wild, murderous rampage and 
took out people or, or we go see movies based on true stories of historical war figures or Winston Churchill or I love The Crown on Netflix, you know, just all those shows. But no, they decided to take um, just an average guy and make a movie about his life. He probably would be like, uh-uh, don't do that. <laughs> what are you doing? But he's, he's, he's left. He's gone. He's in heaven. So we can do it. But I wonder what they would do with your life. Would they, people make a movie about the way you've lived? About the impact that you've made on people's lives? The impact you've made in your home? Would they look and go, wow, that person looks like Christ. Let's tell their story. Maybe you're the Rick and Stephanie Bennett. You know, maybe you're, that, maybe you're not that for somebody. But today you have the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? I, I want to strive to be. I want to strive to be that. I want to strive to look and act like Jesus in everything I do. Now, maybe it's just repenting and asking for forgiveness at home for losing your patience, for not being kind, for not being gentle, for not being humble for not being compassionate. I don't know where you are, and I don't want to assume that everybody's in the same place with this and with where you are in regards to your relationship with Jesus and with other people. But I do want to encourage you. There's always a chance and there's always time to change. There's always time to put on the clothing of Christ. There's always a time and a chance to change and put on something new and to put on Jesus. Get rid of the old stuff. Throw it away. Leave it behind. Take off everything that doesn't look like Jesus. And put on stuff that lets other people see Jesus in you. Let's pray together. Maybe you're here today with our eyes closed and heads bowed in a a moment of prayer, posture of prayer. And you're saying, Jeffrey, I don't think I've ever... uh, Fully put on, fully put on what a relationship with Jesus looks like. I, I, I've never um, made that first initial decision to, to ask for forgiveness, to take off and get rid of everything that's sinful in my life. And today I'd like to do that. Today I'd like to put on kindness. Today I'd like to put on Jesus for the first time. If you're here today, the the simplicity in that is all you have to do is ask Jesus to forgive you. Admit that, you know, you've made a mistake, that you're a sinner, that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and ask him to forgive you. Others of us today, um, Man, I just need to work on being more like Christ. We've given our lives to Jesus. But if they were to make a movie about us, I don't know that my life would, my life would scream Jesus. If that's you today, and that's where you are, maybe you're not being practicing patience or kindness, gentleness, humility. Uh, you have a chance today to put on the new clothes. You have a chance to leave here different. You have a chance to leave here more like Jesus than you were when you came in. And maybe you're here today and you're not really doing much with your life. 
I think the best thing you can do is strive to be more like Rick and Stephanie in someone else's life. Strive to be like Jesus. But most importantly, if you're here today and you're in that first category of never had entered into a relationship with Jesus, never put on the clothing of Christ for the first time, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to give you an opportunity to to experience Jesus for the first time. And so if you're here today and you'd say, hey, you know what, Jeffrey, I have never, I've never done that, but I'd like to today. Just pray with me in your heart, silently, not out loud. Dear Jesus, I know I've messed up in life. I know I've made mistakes. I know that my life does not look like you. But today I want that to change. Today I want to change and get rid of my old self and become like you. Forgive me for the way I've lived and help me to live like you moving forward. As we come to the end of our message today, uh, we'd love to, to celebrate what God's done. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, if you put on the clothing of Christ for the first time, um, we just love to know if everybody's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed. Um, you just want to slip your hand up real quick just so we can acknowledge, just so I can say, hey, I'm in this with you. God does amazing things in these tender little moments. And we hope and pray that God continues to change your life. And so if you have your hand up right now, uh, we love you. We support you. We're along this journey with you. Welcome to our neighborhood. We're glad you are here today. And as you put your hands down, Lake Hills, let's put our hands together and say thank you.